Praise God. Amen. It's, I mean, again, glad for everybody that's here. First Kings 19, actually going to go to verse 19 and finish out the last uh, three verses there in the chapter. And then Matthew 16, going to read three verses there, 24 through 26. I'm glad for all of you that are here today. Amen. I'm glad amen. for a, uh, amen, for the word of God. Amen. And let me say this morning that I'm glad for the health of this church. And I don't mean physically. Amen. I'm talking spiritually. Amen. It's, I'm thankful this morning. Amen. For how the Lord has blessed us. Amen. As a, uh, as a body. Praise God. Yes. Now bear with me today for some reason. Amen. My voice is, uh, amen, a little scarce. Amen. Started yesterday. Praise God. I'm not sick or anything. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, uh, but anyhow, we're going to. Uh, we're going to preach anyway. Praise God. First Kings 19. We're going to begin verse 19 and finish the chapter. Everybody have it. Say amen. amen. So he departed thence and found Elisha the son of Shaphat who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12 and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen, slew them, boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave it to the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Right. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Hallelujah. We're going to blast the shofar as we want you to give the Lord praise for his word today. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes, Hallelujah. question, what are you willing to burn? Amen. Praise God. Let me say that we love you today. Again, thankful for everybody. Amen. That is here this morning. Truly do mean that. We love you. Praise God. What are you willing to burn? Amen. The story of Elijah and Elisha. Amen. Has uh, been told and recalled in many messages, many sermons. Amen. I myself, praise God, if you look in my Bible, current Bible that I have now, just within these two chapters, 18 and 19, you're going to see all kinds of notes and dates and all of these different times that we have preached out of this story. Amen. But there are some elements of this story that are worth reiterating. Amen. Uh, and sometimes, how many knows that we 
have to be reminded of some things for God to continue to move us or propel us forward in where he desires to go. See, there's faith involved in uh, this story that I think often gets overlooked, amen? We don't really pay a lot of attention to the faith that is involved, amen, in the story of Elijah and Elisha, uh, specifically when Elijah, amen, uh, comes upon Elisha for the first time. Uh, I saw a, uh, a, I heard a saying, amen, recently that said, faith that moves mountains carries a pickaxe, amen, praise the Lord, and I liked that, amen, faith that moves mountains carries a pickaxe, see, sometimes we, uh, we expect God to do it all, we expect God to move everything, do everything, praise God, but sometimes, uh, oftentimes, we got to put some work into it, amen, so if the mountain's going to move, sometimes you got to cut down some trees and, amen, have what it takes, amen, to remove some things, are you with me this morning, amen, stay with me for just a little bit, uh, hallelujah, you see, uh, it's just like in Mark chapter for, amen, when uh, when Jesus, amen, was in the boat and he was asleep, amen, and the storm came, amen, upon the waters and the water began to fill the boat, amen, and they began to cry out, amen, as Jesus slept, amen, on the on the boat, they began to cry out, Master, do not care that we perish. See, here's the thing, some people want Jesus to calm the storm, but they're too lazy to get a bucket to get the water out of the boat, amen. Now, are you with me? Because nowhere in that scripture, stay with me now, uh, don't turn me off before, amen, we get to where we're going, uh, amen, because see, the boat was sinking, and they began to get afraid. Uh, how many knows, amen, that uh, the boat was sinking, he called the storm, amen, but the water in the boat, it doesn't say anywhere in there that the water in the boat disappeared, amen, so somebody had to take a bucket and get the water out of the boat because the boat was still going to sink, amen, it wasn't sinking because of the storm, the storm was causing the water, amen, to blow in on inside their boat and fill it up, Jesus told the storm that he didn't take the water out of the boat, so sometimes, hallelujah, praise God, we got to take a bucket and get the water out of the boat. Somebody had to do it. Are you with me today? Look at your neighbor and say, get a bucket, amen, praise God, and get an axe, hallelujah, because sometimes, amen, our faith requires us, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You've got to be willing to work. Faith without works is what? Dead, amen. So you've got to be willing to work, hallelujah, amen. You've got to be able, praise God, to decide, amen, that it is worth the effort. See, we've been teaching, amen, on Thursday nights about the days of Noah, amen, and talking about the generations that preceded Noah's generation and how, amen, that the trends and the things that uh, those are prominent people in those generations set trends and it caused the generation next to them, amen, or after them, praise God, to uh, to be affected, amen, but uh, we've got a generation now that would, uh, praise God, rather be on welfare than they work at McDonald's, amen, praise God, you say, I can't believe you said that, but I believe it because I did, hallelujah, amen, can I tell you that God doesn't bless welfare, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against welfare, because there are times, amen, when 
it is necessary, but there are plenty of times where it is not necessary. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. See, when you get welfare, you're getting all you can get. That's all you get because you're getting a handout and not a hand up. Remember, when you work and then you give God, amen, what belongs to Him, then God can bless that. God can take that and multiply. Come on, somebody, help me. Hallelujah. Because when, when you get what you're all you're getting for the month, and you wait for the next one to come around. When you, amen, when you work and you put something into it and you give God what belongs to Him, His tithe and offering, hallelujah, you don't have to worry about whether or not something's going to come in next month because He tells us, amen, that He will bless and prosper you when you obey Him. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise whether you want to or not. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So uh, we got to see, amen, that it's, it's going to take some effort. Amen. See, Elisha left his yoke of oxen. We see in verse 20, amen, that he left his yoke of oxen when Elijah came upon him. Hallelujah. And it's interesting, amen, that Elijah, Elijah, I said, asked him a question. He said, uh, he said, I, I, I'll leave my yoke of oxen, but let me go and let me kiss my mom and dad and tell my family goodbye, amen, and then I will follow you. And uh, Elijah said, go and do, amen, that and return, but what have I to do, what have I done to thee, amen? When you look at that, sometimes that can be a little confusing, right? You think, why? Why would he say something like that? Amen. But when you look at the Hebrew translation there, amen, it says, Go but return because of what I did to you. Amen. See, uh, you got to understand, we preached a couple of weeks ago about Elijah. Amen. You've got to understand where uh, Elijah is coming from. Amen. He had been obscure for about two years. See, after his encounter with God, amen, we preached about how when he was on Mount Horeb and he was running from Jezebel. Amen. We preached that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, amen. And how he was running from Jezebel and how that he was afraid. Amen. And that God, uh, hallelujah, took him, amen, out from under the juniper tree and put him, amen, on Mount Horeb. And God began to speak to him, amen. God had to show him, praise the Lord, uh, where he was not in order for Elijah to realize where God was at. Because Elijah thought he was in the fire because he had seen God like that before. He thought, surely he's in the earthquake because that's just who God is, amen. Then the wind came. God wasn't in that either, but he spoke to him in a still, small voice. And man, and he told him that he wasn't done with him, right? He told him, amen, that he needed to anoint Haziel, amen, and he needed to anoint Jehu, and he needed, amen, to anoint Elisha in his, uh, amen, to be in his place so he wasn't done, amen. But if you look at the timeline, it was two years after, amen, Elijah's experience with God, his encounter with God on Mount Horeb before, amen, he comes across Elisha, amen. So Elijah had been obscure for, amen, a couple of years, amen, and Israel had come to hate Elijah because of Jezebel, amen, and he was really an outcast, amen, so uh, Elijah was saying, go ahead and love your family, amen, for, uh, uh, because what happened to me uh, can happen to you, so make sure, uh, amen, that you are fully aware of uh, 
of what you're doing. Come on, somebody. Do you understand? Because uh, when we take a step of faith, uh, when we put uh, a man works or action with our faith, uh, amen, we are going to encounter, amen, some uh, opposition. Amen. Are you with me? Uh, hallelujah. And so verse 21 tells us, uh, hallelujah, that Elisha literally followed Elijah. Amen. And so uh, we got to understand, amen, that uh, he followed after Elijah. Now we know that Elijah performed or God, God, let me say, God done many miracles through Elijah. Amen. Now if you follow the story further, we won't go to all of those details today, but I encourage you to read it. But we know that uh, following this, uh, amen, uh, after Elisha and Elijah begin to walk together, amen, we realize and we see that Elisha would not leave Elijah, amen, and Elijah finally asked him, what is it that you want from me? And he said, I want a double portion of your anointing, amen, I want a double portion of what you have, amen, so uh, we understand here Amen. That uh, we realize that Elisha, amen, miracles was going to happen through Elisha as they did through Elijah. And if you number the miracles now, in the Hebrew, double portion doesn't just mean twice as much, it means a continual. Amen. Moving forward. Praise God. That it's like a, a continual moving, a double portion. That's why, amen, the, uh, the eldest, amen, in the family, when the father died, received a double portion. Praise God. Because his inheritance uh, was not to run out because he was to give it to his uh, firstborn as well. Are you with me? Amen. But uh, you can look and number wise, Elisha did twice as many miracles. Uh, Amen. As Elijah, praise God. Now keep in mind, God did them through him, but you understand what I'm saying today. Hallelujah. But uh, see, and my point being, amen, is that Elijah, amen, Elisha followed him. Amen. He did not realize at that point what was going to take place, but we know now the backstory that miracles happened. Can I tell you that miracles are not for recognition, but for the glory of God. Amen. There are too many people wanting miracles and they want the recognition for the miracles, but the miracles are not for recognition, but for the glory of God. How many believes and knows that I believe, amen, and how many believes with me that we are in a season this final dispensation that I believe we're going to see miracles. I believe we're going to see creative miracles. You say, what is a creative miracle? That means when there's something missing, amen, and it is recreated. So let's say someone is missing a digit, a finger, or missing a hand. God can grow back that hand. Someone is missing a body organ. God can replace that body. Come on, somebody. You say, well, that's pretty far-fetched. Amen. The reason you think that is because your faith is not ready to accept it. Come on, somebody. Get a pickaxe. Begin to chop down some trees. Begin to say, okay, God, whatever it is you want me to do, whatever it is, wherever you need me to go, I'll go. Hallelujah. Because I believe leave, amen, that you are going to do mighty acts in this last hour. If you believe he's going to, give him a hand clap of praise right there. 
Hallelujah. This is why miracles have a price. Amen. They cost more than the average church experience. Amen. Can I say that again? Miracles come with a price. Amen. They cost more than the average church experience. As we said when we preached about Elijah, there was nothing wrong with his theology. He just needed an encounter with God that he had never had before. Come on, somebody. And there's a lot of folks sitting in church this morning. There's nothing wrong with their theology. Not saying that they're not born again. I'm just saying that they need an encounter with God on a personal level in order to believe that there are greater things that God is more than a Sunday morning a man check off their list. God is more than a midweek check off their list. But he is a personal God. He is our creator. He is our father who loves us. We are not to be a man dis a man dis uh, charged away from his presence, but he desires for us to come in and to fellowship with him. This is why he desires and delights in calling us sons and daughters. Are there any children of God in Judah Tabernacle this morning? Come on. Hallelujah. Stay with me. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But you see, here's the thing. Amen. It's a little different now than it's been, praise God, even back when I was a young boy. Praise God. Because today you just can't, uh, we just can't preach the gospel. Now we got to preach and teach. Hallelujah. Amen. To some out of their religious upbringing. We got to teach some people out of their, amen, out of their, amen, upbringing. We got to uh, preach and teach some people out of their cultural mindset. There's so many things that have divided, hallelujah, the body of Christ. And it is not pleasing to God. Can I tell you before we are any ethnicity, before we are any kind of other heritage or language or anything, we are born again. Before we are any other thing in the sight of God, we are born again. And born again, whether Jew or Gentile, whether brown, black, tan, come on somebody, white, amen, pale skinned, are you with me? Whether you speak English, French, amen, praise God, Hebrew, doesn't matter, hallelujah. All of those things are how we identify here on this earth. But the way we identify in the heavens is whether or not the blood of Jesus is applied. And if you are born again, whether or not you like me or not, or I like you, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And at the end of it all, that's what 
matters. The other stuff, amen, will just come out as my mom used to say. It'll just come out in the wash. It ain't going to make that big of a difference if we focus on the blood of Jesus first. Come on, somebody. So now we got we, we, we can't just preach the gospel in the simplicity. We got to preach and teach some people out of these mindsets and out of their religious uh, upbringings, amen, all the doctrine and all of those things. And that's okay. God knew it was going to be that way. But you understand today, hallelujah, amen, that miracles are going to come with a price. It's going to cost some stuff, hallelujah, to see God in the way that Moses and Elijah, we preached last week about Moses' encounter with God. So, 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 so now, it, amen, it includes parenting and pastoring. Ah, see. Uh, come on, you'll get that later. It includes parenting and pastoring. Amen. But let me tell you something. Jesus died so that we can fulfill our purpose and our destiny. He died so that we could walk in our calling. Jesus died so that we could, we could walk in the divine purpose and destiny that God has placed over our life. And so, we preached last week about being positioned and that shift and alignment are happening. that has been prophesied. It's prophetic words that have been spoken over the last couple of years. But in order for to be there for the shift and the alignment, you've got to be in position. All right, yeah. So we talked last week about being in position with the fire. Mm -hmm. Amen. That when, you're, when you stand behind the fire, anything that gets to you has to go through that fire first. Yeah. Come on, somebody. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. That ought to bring you comfort today. That ought to bring you hope and assurance. See, hallelujah. See, uh, because here's what, what I want us to see. As we maybe expound on that, we take that position a little bit further. Amen. This week, amen, as uh, uh, being positioned. And so that you can uh, be part of the shift and the alignment. In order for uh, you to be part of that, you've got to be positioned for it. Uh, amen. Elijah was passing by Elisha. Mm -hmm. Elijah was passing by Elisha. So my question to you today is, are you positioned so the anointing can find you? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Are you positioned so the anointing can find you? Now let's let let's let's lay aside Elijah's physical uh, identity. Let's lay aside Amen his calling. Let's lay aside his office. Let's even lay aside his purpose. We know that God told him he wasn't finished with him yet. What was it that Elisha already said? What was it that Elisha desired from Elijah as he followed him and served him? The anointing. So, Elijah represents the anointing. Now, there is a price to walk in a supernatural place, we already said, to see the miracle. So, the anointing 
Amen. That God is uh, is moving, and the Bible even tells us that the spirit of Elijah, Amen. Praise God will be in this hour, in these days that we are living. It was prophesied. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Are you with me to bring in Jesus? We come, Amen. We see the spirit of Elijah in these last days to bring him back a second time. Are you with me? I want to bring him back. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I want to bring him back. You say, you can't bring him back. Oh, yes, I can. Because if I'm right, amen, when he calls the church out of here, I'm going to come back with him. Hallelujah. Praise God. When he comes the second time, I'm going to come back with him. Oh, somebody help me. Hallelujah. And more than that, I'm going to rule with him. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to reign with him. Somebody help me in this place. Hallelujah. I'm trying to get you. Amen. To understand today. Amen. About the anointing. So Elijah represents the anointing. So we can say that the anointing was passing by Elisha. Amen. So the question is, are you positioned where the anointing can find you? See, Elisha's family was obviously wealthy because there were 12 yoke of oxen in the field. So that tells us that Elisha's family was not a poor family. Now, I don't know how wealthy they were, but they were at least what we would consider upper middle class. Okay, are you with me for that time? So that gives you an idea. Amen. So this tells us that Elisha didn't have to be in the field working, but he could have been in the house with his family. Some would say he should have been in the house with his family. But this tells us, hallelujah, amen, that Elisha, praise God, didn't have to be in the field. See, here's what you got to understand. He was old enough to own his own yoke of oxen. There were 12 yoke of oxen in the field, but Elisha was working with one yoke, one team. Amen. And him, the Bible says uh, he was with the 12th one. Hallelujah. So that tells us that he was old enough to own his own uh, yoke of oxen. So he was already established as a middle class male in Israel and was an eligible bachelor. Mm -hmm. He was not married. I want you to get a picture of Elisha. This is important. These are some of the things I don't think we, we pay attention to in the elements of this story that I want I want us to see today. Amen. So there were 11 yoke of oxen. So that means that they had hired hands working the other 11 yoke of oxen. Amen. So because of their wealth, they had hired hands. But Elisha said, I'm going to work my own auction. Faith moves mountains. But amen. Faith that moves mountains carries a pickaxe. Come on somebody. Do you hear me? Elisha said, I'm going to I'm going to work my own oxen. Amen. So there were 11 yoke that had hired others to work, but he was positioned hallelujah in the right place. Are you hearing me? Because he was willing amen to work in the field. With Elijah when the anointing passed by him, he was in position to 
receive. Hallelujah, that anointing. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? You're not going to get it sitting in your bedroom feeling sorry for yourself. That anointing is not going to find you. Amen. Sitting at the lunch table gossiping about your neighbor or coveting. Amen. About what they have and what you feel like they shouldn't have. Hallelujah. That's coveting. And that just means you're not satisfied. That just means you do not have the confidence in who your father is somebody. In this place, if you want to get deeper, if that can come from a spirit of rejection. Hallelujah. To where, amen, there's never enough. It's never enough. And the need is never truly fully met. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. See, there are and there are some places that the anointing, amen, that shift and that alignment will not go to. The anointing will not go to fear. It will not go to doubt. It will not go to bitterness. It will not go to rejection. Come on, somebody. I need you to hear me today. What are you willing to burn? What are you willing to burn? Touch your neighbor and ask him that again. Pose that question. What are you willing to burn? Hallelujah. Because you've got to be in position. Amen. When the anointing passes by. I don't want anybody in this house to miss the anointing as it's passing by in this last hour. Oh, come on, somebody. The anointing is not going to find you. Amen. Laying in a bed of worry and depression and fear and doubt and anxiety. Come on, somebody. Help me. I'm just being real this morning. Hallelujah. But regardless of what it feels like, what it looks like, what it sounds like, amen, what it even smells like, you're going to find yourself. Hallelujah. You're going to put yourself in the field knowing that God, hallelujah, is greater than anything. Come on, somebody. There are just some places that the anointing will not go. So see, this becomes a turning point for Elisha. See, when, when, when you understand history and you understand uh, uh, the, 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 especially the Hebrew and all of the things and how the word of God from Genesis to Revelation connects and ties together and all the scriptures move together, praise God. Amen. You're going to find that the point of origin is very important. See, you say, what are you talking about? It's like this. See, the writers of the New Testament, amen, they assumed at the time they were writing the New Testament, they assumed that the readers of the New Testament would understand Judaism, the Torah, and Hebrew customs. See, when Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their letters, yes. wrote their gospels, they had no idea that God was including the Gentiles in his covenant plan. So everything they were Yes. Everything they were writing, amen, was the assumption that a Jew or at least someone who understood the customs and understood, amen, the Torah, amen, and Judaism was going to read it. Amen. They didn't realize that the gospel was going to go to the Gentiles. This is why Paul had to, had to often explain in his letters, had to, to explain some things about Jewish customs and Jewish laws because Gentiles were going to be reading it and they needed to understand as well as the Jews who were reading it needed to understand that there were going to be some Gentiles amen, that were not born into the family but they were going to be adopted they were going to be grafted 
did. Why? Because God doesn't like an orphan. God doesn't like an orphan. How they all come on somebody. But hell loves an orphan spirit. Hell loves them when an orphan spirit gets a hold of somebody and they don't realize who their father is. And they walk around looking. Come on, somebody. For a father figure. I need somebody to help me in this place. I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. What are you willing to burn? So that point of origin is important. This was a turning point for Elisha. In, in Matthew 16, Jesus said, take up your cross and do what? Follow me. And when he, remember when he passed by the disciples, he said, follow me. See, the readers or the writers that were assuming all the readers were going to be, amen, understand Judaism, praise God. When Jesus said, follow me, he was actually following a over 3,000 year old custom. That when a rabbi or a prophet would pass by someone and in their spirit would say, you are to duplicate yourself in them. Hmm. Hang with me. We're talking now about a custom, talking about the point of origin. That they won't just be your servant. They're not just following you to serve you, but you're going to duplicate yourself in them. So when Jesus said to the disciples, follow me, he wasn't just saying, I want you to get saved and serve me till you die. He was saying, I want to duplicate myself in you. I need you to imitate me that what you see me do, that's that's what I want you to do. Somebody help me in this place. That's why he said any man that follows after me must take up his cross. Amen. And if he loses his life for my sake, he's really going to find it. Amen. But if he finds his life, he'll lose. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Why? Put that back up there for me. Whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Hallelujah. For what profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his own soul so Jesus wasn't just saying I want you to be secure in your salvation so that you miss hell and make it to heaven he was saying if you are going to believe that I need you to imitate me I want to duplicate myself in you and furthermore I'm going to send you an insurance policy that will secure that you will be able to do that and he is the Holy Ghost he will not only lead and guide you but he will comfort you in all of your way come on somebody do you understand me what are you willing to burn to follow after the anointing what are you willing to burn to really follow 
after Jesus. See, here's what you got to understand. You aren't serving man, but you're serving the anointing. So just, so just go with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just hold my Bible, carry my water. These preachers, ain't nothing wrong with it. But if a, if a pastor or a preacher can't function without an arm or bearer, with somebody to carry his Bible, carry my own Bible. Come on. That's just how I feel about it. Matter of fact, I, I feel better if I care about my Bible. That's what I know you about. I'm going to take care of it because I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> Come on. <coughs> now, if I need you to carry my water, I would hope that somebody's there to help me carry it. But if I'm able, I'll carry my own water. Come on, because there's a lot of people trailing after preachers, serving men, thinking that it's going to bless them and benefit them when they don't understand that they're not serving that man. They should be serving the anointing. What they should say is, I'm going to follow you because I see something in you that I want. Paul even said, when you find those men, mark them. And he said, you can emulate them. Follow after their pattern. Ask them how they pray. Ask them what it is that they do to walk in that. It's okay. Are you hearing me? I had a young uh, young lady. I think I've said that before. Hey, man, when I was in revival in West Virginia in the summer, hey, man, we were at a church, uh, their church picnic, and she came up. She said, I got a question for you. She said, how do you have the anointing that you have? Mm-hmm. How do you get that? Pull out a piece of paper and a pen. Because we got to make a list. Because it didn't come easy. Yes. Come on, somebody. It came for the price. Yes. But ultimately, you stay in it because you understand who you're in it for. And that you understand that you don't carry the anointing. The anointing carries come on. you. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Hallelujah. I'll stay with me. I'm trying to move on and get finished today. Hallelujah. Amen. But here's the thing. When they would say that to them or, amen, they would yoke you and often would put their mantle on you. Amen. It was called yoking you. Are you with me? So when they would throw their mantle on that other person, amen, it was yoking them with that person's mantle. Are you with me? Hallelujah. So that even though you are serving them, hallelujah, you understand that it's the anointing. See, Elijah, amen, wasn't just placing a man to serve him. Are you with me? Elijah wasn't just, Elijah wasn't just picking Elisha to serve him. See, God had already told him, amen, that he would be his successor. Are you hearing me? God had already told him that Elisha was going to be his successor. Amen. So God already told him that it was going to happen. Makes me wonder how many mantles are waiting to be picked up from past generations because this generation isn't hungry or holy enough to pick it up. How many mantles have been left by the previous generation because there's not enough or holy enough, hungry enough or holy enough 
people in this generation to pick it up. I'm asking you today, what are you willing to burn? Hey, by the way, the anointing passes by you. It'll find you in the right place. It'll find you positioned. This is why your company makes a difference. This is why, amen, who you call your inner circle makes a difference. Because if you want the anointing to find you, you've got to be in the position that God needs you in. In order for that anointing, oh, somebody help me. Amen. Here's the thing. When the yoke would come upon you, it didn't mean you were a believer. Okay. It meant you were a follower. All right now. Ah, uh, you'll get that next Sunday. Uh-huh. Maybe by Christmas Eve. When the mantle came upon you, it did not mean that you were a believer, but it was a follower. See, a follower is an imitator. Oh, come on. A follower is an imitator. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because if you're going to follow me, you got to burn some things. If you're going to follow me, you got to, amen, pick up that cross, amen, that comes with the price. Come on, somebody, did you hear me? you got to pick up that cross and follow after me. That means you've got to imitate me. Are you with me? Hallelujah. A follower is an imitator. Now, believers can go to heaven. I'm not saying that if you're not a follower that you're not saved. Because there's plenty of believers that are saved and go to heaven. But see, followers operate in heaven here on earth. I said followers operate in heaven while on earth. The kingdom has come to earth. Come on somebody, the kingdom is in you. See, an imitator brings Jesus in the midst of the circumstances. An imitator can't help but bring Jesus into the equation. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? Because if you're carrying the cross, you're never going to not feel the burden of the cross. But if you're carrying it and you're yoked with Jesus, then the burden becomes light because he has already accomplished everything that the cross requires. All you are doing is imitating. Oh, come on, somebody, and saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to release the glory of heaven here on earth because it ain't about me. So I'd say if, you, if you're not a follower that you're not going to go to heaven, but I'm telling you there's a difference in a believer. And there's a lot of believers sitting in church today Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. But Jesus is looking for some followers. And that comes with a prize. So now let's, let's, let's ask another question in the scope of 
of this concept is what anointing are you willing to serve? What anointing are you willing to serve? See, the anointing doesn't always bring you behind the podium. The anointing doesn't always give you the most followers. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. Don't get me started on, 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 on people and their followers on social media. Praise God. Hallelujah. They think they've arrived. Amen. Jesus said, unless you pick up my cross, hallelujah, and be a follower of me, it doesn't matter what somebody else. What anointing are you willing to serve? See, we've got, to look, we've got to look now at this plow. We've got to look at what Elisha did with the plow. Elisha burned the plow. Can I tell you something? And when I talk about success, I'm talking about the anointing. I'm not talking about worldly success. Although you can have that because of the covenant favor of God. Come on, somebody. Because none of the secrets of success will work unless you do. When you depend on someone else to bring it in for you, it's going to crash. But none of those secrets of success, the anointing is not going to work unless you do. And you say, well, you, you just don't understand where I'm at. You just understand what's going on in my life. You don't understand this, you don't understand that. And I tell you, the only place to start is where you are now. Come on. Tell your neighbor that. Now, is where you start. Now is where you start. The only place to start is where you are now. Why are you waiting for things to change? Well, come on. I need to get this right. I need to do that uh -huh. right. I, need to, I know I need to pray more. I know. Come on. You've been saying that for the last four new years. Right. <laughs> See, the devil wants me to backpack, but I'm going. You've been saying the same thing. Why are you waiting? as well because here's the thing the anointing will find you where you are but it won't leave you there see it found some of you in camp meeting but you ain't moved since it found you under the tent rejoicing believing accepting I'm not being critical I'm not saying that you didn't believe it I'm telling you Where you are apathetic toward the things of God. Hallelujah. But you can't say 
there. You've got to move with the anointing. Are you with me today? It'll call you from where you are, but it will take you where it's going. It's all cool, all, all, all nice, hunky-dory. But you've accepted you're called to do something. How many times you got to be told? How many times you got to hear it? Yea, I say unto you, my lovely daughter, thou art calleth. You are calleth from your mother's womb, and I have calleth you to do this and do that. Okay. How many times do we need to be reminded of that? I'm just being real. Come on, somebody. Do you understand me? It took a few times for God to get into this big skull. Hallelujah. And sometimes, amen, praise God, I try to close up how they got through. But amen, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Because you're waiting on someone else to validate who you think you're called to be. Somebody give the Lord a shout. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. What are you willing to burn? If you're called to worship, worship. Yeah. Yes. Come on. Come on. Help us, Jesus. I'm feeling pastorish today. You probably think, oh, I wish his voice would be gone. <laughs> You're waiting for a door to open. Sometimes you got to cut one out with your axe. Sometimes you got to cut one in the wall that's standing between you and your breakthrough. Somebody help me. You say, God, tear down the wall. Well, how many times you going to shout? You've got plenty of times to worship it down. You've got plenty of times to shout it down. Hallelujah. It ain't going nowhere. Why? Oh, because you got to pick up your axe and tell the devil, you know what? Hey, if I don't see a door, I'm going to make one. I'm going to go through what is hindering me. Oh, somebody help me. Because you know on the other side of that wall is the things that God has promised you. That's why the enemy wants to keep that wall up in front of you. Somebody help me in this place. But when you hide behind the fire, hallelujah, anything that gets to you has to come through God's fire first. Ah, this ain't in my notes for this for somebody. <laughs> that anointing will call you from where you are and take you where it's going. And here's the, here's the clincher. This might have been preached 10 years ago in, in, in this same form, but you don't have the time now that has passed to step in. Now, the great thing about it is, is that God will redeem and restore the years that the enemy has stolen. Come on, somebody. So if you step in now, amen, he will restore and it will be as if you've been doing it for the last 10 years. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the resistance, but you just make me preach harder. Because I know where that comes from. I know in the depths of the heart of your hearts, you that are, are the enemy is causing to try to resist as you desire. I know that. That's why God is trying to love you out of it today. Amen. He's trying to love you out of this. 
Come on. So what is that cloud? It's the former way of life. Now I understand your past as far as your past sins and your past that you don't talk about your as uh, <laughs> life as of 1230 today. Life as of when we started preaching this message. That's what the plow is. Your former way of life. Are you following the anointing or are you following your past? Hmm. When you let the enemy hold the past over you, you're following after your past. That's why goodness and mercy cannot follow after you. Come on, that's good. Are you with me? So are you following the anointing? Or are you following the past? See, here's, here's some things you've got to leave. I'm talking about your plow now. I'm talking about uh, burning the plow, the former way of life. Here's some things you've you got to leave. You've got to leave your security. <coughs> the things that you're holding on to. That give you a sense of belonging. Mm. That give you a sense of purpose. We mentioned the orphan spirit. That that spirit where you don't know who your father is. So you're always estranged. You're always just how many how, how many people that, that have been a man uh, adopted and they discover that their their biological family live just miles away. How close they were, yet so far away. Maybe because they didn't look for them. Come on, are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying that critically. I'm trying to prove a point. That that, that orphan spirit, that you, you, you don't understand that your father is God. And so that's why correction is rejection to the orphan spirit. Mm. That's why you can't be parented. That's why you can't be shepherded. That's good. I come out to say it. I'm like, that's probably not a word, but it, it makes sense. That's why you can't be led only so far. Because when correction tries to come, you see it as rejection because you don't understand your place in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. So good. And discipline is abuse. So correction is rejection to the orphan spirit and discipline is abuse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Come on. I'm just being real. You need a father figure. Come on. And his name is Yahweh. Come on. Come on, somebody. You also need a spiritual father. God will place spiritual fathers in your life. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? They cannot replace God the Father, but they will be there to correct you, to lead you to God. Come on, somebody. Help me. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, a person who does not see that, who, who walks in an orphan spirit, does not trust the anointing. They don't see that the anointing is a safe place 
and will take care of you. You've got to trust that the anointing is safe and it will take care of you. He will not leach you where he will not bring you through. You know the old saying, the will of God will not take you where the grace of God cannot keep you. Come on. You've got to trust that. You've got to trust. I learned many, many years ago, amen, that, and realized that God's always got my best interests in mind. If it hurts, it's for my best interests. Come on. Are you with me? You've got to understand. You've got to realize that you need that father, spiritual father. You also, when you look at the plow, you gotta you gotta realize that it's irreversible. When, when you accept what God is doing, it's irreversible. Jesus said, "He that puts his hand on the plow and looks away is not fit for the kingdom." You can't you you can't say yes on Sunday and then by Wednesday decide. Because here's what happens. When you get your hand off the plow, it becomes a crooked line. Huh. You're, you're plowing a crooked place. When, when, when you keep your hand on the plow and you look at where it is, amen, you can take, amen, and keep a straight line as the seeds are dropped. You drop the seeds. But if you're looking away, you're going to... Mm -hmm. The ox is going to be controlling you instead of you controlling the ox. Come on, somebody. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's no reversing it. Who help us, Jesus? I'm feeling it today. See, because when you're really called to ministry, you don't always need a follow-up call. Some of you are already a little miffed at me. 
<laughs> I can feel it. You were with me 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I know how it is. I've been, I've been out there plenty of times. I've been out there all my life. I've been on this side all my life. I've been out there plenty of times. I know what it's like. He let me do it. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You don't know how many times I've regretted saying, well, if I was the pastor. <laughs> God's like, okay. <laughs> Come on, big boy. Show us what you made of. Now you are. Now what you going to do? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Come on. Are you with me? I get it. I understand. <laughs> let me tell you something. Just because you're engaged doesn't mean she's ready to be your baby mama. <laughs> Somebody has to say it. If I don't, who will? And just because you're engaged doesn't mean it's still not fornication. Come on. That don't mean anything. Are you with me? You're holding on to things. You're allowing toxic relationships. You're allowing circumstances. You're allowing jobs. You're allowing your children. You're allowing the happiness of your children and things. Hold on to your plow instead of burning it. And the anointing is passing by. And he wants to throw a mantle upon you. But because you're in the house instead of in the field. Yeah, really good. Come on. See, Elisha burning his plow was complete surrender to his commitment. Come on, somebody. Come on, I'm, 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 I'm not going that way anymore, in any direction anymore that I know of. So get back with me. Repent for being angry. Or you're going to have to text me or send me a message. Or stop me after church. I have to apologize because I've got to. Come on. Come on. Don't make it awkward for us. Let's just be real. Come on. You're here. You're right here in the now moment. The anointing is passing you by. Come on. Are you with me? I'm about to quit. See, burning his plow is complete surrender to his commitment. Because he made the plow a fire uh -huh. and he sacrificed the oxen. He said, let me go back and kiss my parents. And I will return and then I will follow after you. And when he did, before he came back, he burned the plow and boiled the oxen. He made sure that there would be nothing to Yes, that's good. That's really good. Come on, he made sure that there would be nothing to come back to. No reason to even, to even be tempted to go back home. Yes. Come on, somebody, help me in this place. Amen. The reason you're tempted to go back is because you never break it off completely. Come on. 
I said the reason you're tempted to taste again is because you never break it off completely. You gotta break it off, burn the plow. Touch your neighbor, say, burn the plow. I don't know what that is. See, see, Elisha's past became an offering to God so he could bless his future. Huh? Hallelujah. He wasn't a bad boy. He, amen, he was a, a good person. He was there working with his father. Amen. He wasn't, amen, anybody that was a rebel or a prodigal. He was a good person. But he had to leave that which kept him there in order to follow after the anointing. So he sacrificed his past so that God could bless his future. Yes. Who am I talking to today? Because every pain, every heartache, every disappointment of your past can be an offering to bless your future. Everything you experienced up to 20 minutes ago, your former way of life, can be a sacrifice to God so he can bless your future. Are you with me? Burn it. Everybody say it. Burn it. You gotta refuse to be ordinary. Anybody can go to church on Sunday, pay their tithes, go through the motions. That's an ordinary person. Be extraordinary. Be amen. Be extra. Be a fanatic. Burn the plow. Hallelujah. Be in the position when the anointing passes you by. Listen to me, young ladies. If you're with a boy, hallelujah, you say, My he's my man. On your side, he looks like a man, but where I'm looking at, he's still a boy. Come on. If a boy is willing to take away from you the intimacy that only belongs to your spouse, run from that boy. If a girl seduces you, Lord, I wish my pastor would have preached this to me when I was dating my first and my wife. Hallelujah. Because if a woman, if a girl is going to seduce you, knowing that it's wrong and knowing that it's a sin, ditch her like the plague. Run and don't look back because it will position you for chaos. Yes. Yes. He ain't the one for you. Uh huh. I don't care how much in love. Right. <laughs> Love's a choice. Choose to let it go. Come on, somebody. Love is a choice. Choose to let it go. Burn that plow. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, I want you to be right when the yes. trumpet sounds. I want you to be with us. I don't want you to be left and have nobody come on somebody. Are you hearing me? I don't want you to save and say, why didn't Pastor Jeff tell me this? Why didn't Pastor Jeff give me that? Why didn't Pastor Jeff remind me of that? Well, here's your sign. Come on. People are so connected and committed to worldly things. Or people crying and boohooing over football yesterday. <laughs> It's one thing to be a fan. It's another thing to be nuts. Right. Crying over a score. <laughs> it's a game. Let's right. Let's money in. If you do, you need to repent. Because <laughs> <laughs> God ain't going to bless that. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Burn it. Burn it. <laughs> 
Refuse to be ordinary. Let's go back. Refuse to be ordinary. I don't care what the whole pew is doing. You refuse to be. I don't care if nobody in your pew is standing up worshiping. Nobody in your pew is jumping. You get up on your feet. When we begin to sing, I got the river of living water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got the river. You've been through what I've been through. You be up praising too. Well, I think I will. Thank you. I don't care if everybody else is sitting down. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't be ordinary. Release the mundane. God has more for you than depression, anxiety, fear, bitterness. Come on, somebody. Yes. If you hold on to that plow, the anointing is going to pass you by. See, that's why Elisha knew. Elijah didn't say a thing. And Elisha knew what that meant. Because it was a custom. Come on, somebody. It was a custom. And he knew that meant, I got to follow him. He said, that's why he said, can I, can, I, can, I, can I go? Can I go tell my mom and dad goodbye first? Well, come, then I'll follow you. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Then I'll follow you. Well, well what have I done to you? <laughs> come on. This is because of what I've done. Come on. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise God. You've got to let go of the past. See, you'll never see your future if you're in your past. Elisha looked back, but he let go. Uh-huh. Yeah. He looked back, but he let go. Well, if the Lord will just tell me, look, 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 look. No one can burn the plow but you. Right. And you can be the fire that burns the plow. Right. You can be that fire that burns the plow. No one can burn that plow but you. Because see, listen, Elisha had no idea at that point that he would get another portion. Elisha had no idea. He was simply willing to honor the mantle. See, that has to come before the miracles. That's right. See, 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 we, 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 we've been seeking and praying for miracles and we're not honoring the mantle. Come on. We're not willing to just honor the mantle. He did not know. Oh, come on, somebody help me. Because the call of God is heard and not seen. I already mentioned this a little bit. We tell you, others are not obligated to validate what you are supposed to hear. Tell me, just tell me, just tell me, just tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, others are not obligated to validate what God wants you to hear. How many times has the anointing passed you by while you were waiting for validation? How many times has it found you not in position, in your comfort zone, in your fears, in your inadequacies? Come on, somebody. Don't you think God knew all those things before he placed that calling on you? Mm -hmm. Of all the times I kept, I told him, I can't do that. I'm this, I'm that. I'm not this, I'm not that. I can't, I can't do this, I can't do that. I, I, this is not me, I'm not. I'm sure he wanted to <laughs> Will you stop? Don't forget.
forget. Before oh. your mom and dad right. even knew you were coming. See, I've told you before, my mom wasn't supposed to get pregnant. So they weren't expecting me. Bada bing. <laughs> no use to boo-hoo about it now. Right? They weren't expecting me. But, but don't you know that before your mom and dad even remotely thought you might be in the womb, I knew you. Right. You're talking to the artist. Come on. You're talking to the creator. Why are you trying to explain yes. this away when I'm the one that knew you before you did? Listen, at this point in this story, Elijah hadn't promised Elisha one thing. He had not promised him anything. And let's say, get ready to come to the music. Here's what I want you to realize. He followed him out of faith and obedience and not for the promise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He followed him out of obedience, not for what he could get from the anointing. Are you understanding that? He was willing to burn whatever he needed to in order to follow the anointing. said to him, stay here while I go. No, no, no. No, where you go, I'll go. Uh -huh. I'm going. So finally, Elijah said, if you see me when I go up, you'll have a double portion. So my question today as you stand across this place is, what are you willing to burn? I, I'm not coming to you today in a, with a mean spirit, with an accusing attitude, but God has sent me to love you out of where you're at. He wants to love you right out of this place. Sometimes burning the plow will mean Moving, it'll mean changing jobs. Come on. Again, out of your comfort zone. But there's no question. There was no question when the mantle was thrown. Because Elisha knew what that meant. He knew. That Elijah was saying, I need to duplicate myself in you. 
I want everybody in here today to be a believer. If you're here today and you're not a believer, I want you to believe. I want you to become born again. I want you to go to heaven. But there's a place that goes beyond that, and that's to be a follower. And that's for the anointing. Welcome. But you've got to ask yourself, what am I willing to burn? He burned the yoke, the plow, and boiled the oxen. He sacrificed his past so God could bless his future. Will you burn your pride? Will you burn the self-pity? Will you burn the rejection? Will you burn the depression? Will you burn all the fear, the bitterness, all that it is? Will you burn it all? Because there's an anointing that's passing in these last moments. The Spirit watches upon us. If you're here today as they begin to worship, if you're not a believer, if you're not born again, please come. Please come. Please come.